Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 24 here this morning. And uh, if you're just joining with us, uh, we've been uh, kind of going through this uh, portion of Scripture here, what uh, our Lord gives about the uh, end times, about uh, what, the, uh, what his coming is going to look like. And uh, this is known as the Olivet Discourse, and it's the longest recorded message or the longest recorded answer for us that the Lord gives based upon a couple questions that the disciples asked about when is going to be the sign of your coming and uh, when is going to be the end of the age. And uh, as we have been looking here uh, through Matthew chapter 24 over the past few weeks, uh, we've been going through some of these indicators that the Lord gives as what will happen uh, before the end of the age and what the sign of his coming will be. And uh, we talked about some of these birth pains that uh, our Lord gives as far as uh, what to look for. And uh, we, we covered uh, several of these. We've looked at wars, rumors of wars, famines, signs, earthquakes. Uh, last week, we looked at the extreme persecution of the church, of the, the body of Christ, and those that will fall away and apostasy will happen because of the uh, persecution. And uh, this week here, we're going to focus our attention on this last indicator that our Lord gives before he says the coming of the end of the age will be. And uh, here's what I would like for you to take away with you today. The gospel is the life-giving message that needs to be proclaimed. The gospel is the life-giving message that needs to be proclaimed. So let's take a look here at our text here, Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14. And so this is the sixth indicator that our Lord gives uh, before he says the end of the age will come. So verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So this final sign of the coming, this final beginning birth pain that our Lord uh, tells is this proclamation of the gospel. And uh, before our Lord comes, he says that the gospel will be proclaimed, notice here, throughout the whole world and as a testimony to all nations. Now, you know, it's interesting to think about the uh, proclamation of the gospel to the whole world. Uh, when our Lord ascended to heaven after his death and resurrection, after spending 40 days with his disciples, the last thing that he said to them was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the age. And so, it's interesting to think about this as he left, the final command that he gives is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that should be our first priority as believers as well is to proclaim the gospel. But you think, you know, that was two, over 2,000 years ago. 
Hasn't that happened? I mean, hasn't everybody heard by now? Has everybody heard this life-giving message by now? I mean, surely with all the things that we have as far as uh, the, the, the internet and uh, the capability of being able to send missionaries around the world, hasn't everybody heard this life-giving message? Well, the world population in 2017 was 7.53 billion people. And notice Jesus' words here as he says this. Look what he says, that this gospel will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations. Now, if you're like me, when you read that, you think of nations, you think of Canada and uh, Russia and uh, Turkey. You think, of, you think of the nations. But it's interesting, that word there, uh, nations, Jesus wasn't referring to political nations here. Um, Jesus gave this command and this word that he used for nations, uh, it's, it's the word ethne where we get our word ethnics or ethic. So it simply means any non-Jew or a Gentile, or it can mean a collection of individuals with a common identity. Jesus commanded his followers to make disciples from every ethnic people group. And currently, right now, there are over 17,000 different ethnic groups in the world. You say, well, hey, it's a piece of cake, right? Let's go reach 17,000 different ethnic groups. We'll get a missionary to reach this ethnic group and a missionary to reach this ethnic group. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. The latest estimates suggest that approximately 7,000 of those 17,000 ethnic groups are considered unreached. That means that over 42% of the world's population lives in these 7,000 people ethnic groups. That means that over 40% of the world's people groups have no church, no community of believing Christians able to evangelize the rest of their people group. These are people that do not even have a copy of their own scriptures in their hand. So Jesus' words here are very clear here. He says that the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world to every ethnic group. And then the end will come. So when we think about all that we have been covering so far with these birth pangs, these indicators, in spite of the persecution and in spite of those who will fall away, in spite of the false prophets and the false Christs that are gonna arise, in spite of all this terrible and horrible, inconceivable things that are gonna happen, in spite of the people that are diminished with love and in spite of the Antichrist ruling and reigning, in spite of Satan trying to fight against Christ, in spite of wars and rumors of wars, and uh, the earthquakes and the rest of the signs that are going to be in heaven, in spite of all of that, Jesus says that the gospel will be proclaimed. And it'll be preached all over the world for a witness to all the nations. And then it's going to come. The kingdom is going to come. You say, man, how is that going to happen? How is that gospel going to be preached? 
Well, when we look at this verse within its context, we see that this proclamation comes right on the heels of what Jesus said, what would happen to those who profess to know Christ. As we've already covered last week about those who will be hated and killed for being identified with Jesus Christ. And throughout history, believers have had to proclaim where they stand with Christ. We live in a world which is full of hatred towards Christ. We are engaged in spiritual warfare every single day. And we are engaged in this warfare of those who do not know Christ. And we need to take a stand to proclaim Christ to those who do not know him. Turn over to uh, Romans chapter number eight. And I, I think this really might help us understand this a little bit more. In Romans chapter eight, Paul kind of goes through and he gives this uh, def defense about knowing Christ and, and uh, living with Christ and being identified with Christ. And uh, some of the things that Paul gives us here, this breakdown of the spiritual life and how the gospel has had its effect in our lives. So if you claim to know Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've repented of your sin and you've believed the gospel, Paul says that these things are evidenced in your life. Now look at some of these verses here. Um, for example, uh, verses 1 through 11, Paul gives this, this uh, breakdown of, of those that know Christ, they're identified with him, there's no condemnation, verse 1, for those who are, who are in Christ Jesus, the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death, right? We just heard several testimonies of, of these ladies uh, talking about how they were in bondage to sin. And there was nothing that they could do to free them of that. But Christ has set them free. And so this is an identification of being uh, identified with Christ. Um, and so he goes there, look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, if the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, though his spirit who dwells in you. And so Paul talks about this life in the spirit that we have. Uh, look at uh, verse number 18. He further goes on to talk about this, this idea that we, because we know Christ, there is a future glory that we have with him. And notice what he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, I believe that in towards the end times, uh, whenever that time is going to be, uh, Jesus talks about this extreme persecution that is going to happen uh, to the church. And I believe here that as a believer, if we are identified with Christ, even the sufferings that uh, we will be going through, it is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in Christ. And he says, look at this, verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
And he says, for the creation was subjected to, fulfill, to fulfillity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What did Jesus tell us there in Matthew 24 about these birth pains that are going to happen? You see, all of creation is groaning. And as soon as, before Christ comes back, we're gonna see more and more of these birth pains that are gonna happen. And as a believer, we need to be prepared to make sure that we stand for Jesus and that we proclaim Jesus no matter what the sufferings may come into our life. Look at verse 31. Look what uh, Paul writes here in Romans 8. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice this, shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written for your sake. Notice what, Jesus, what, what Paul writes here. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our Lord is very clear here, and he talks about that there's going to be a proclamation of the gospel. So how is he going to do that? Well, I believe as we stand with Christ and as we proclaim Christ, we identify with him and in our sufferings, Christ is glorified and proclaimed. Now, Jesus is very specific here. Look at, again, Matthew 24. He tells us here that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. So what exactly will be proclaimed? What is this gospel of the kingdom that he's talking about? Well, remember what the disciples were asking that spawned this whole sermon? When will be the sign of your coming? When will be this sign of your full presence of your kingdom be established here? When are you going to finally take rule and authority and establish your kingdom? When will your kingdom be established? So we are to be proclaiming something specific. And Jesus says here, it's the gospel. So what is the gospel? Contrary to popular belief today, 
the gospel is not 10 steps to a better you. It is not follow Jesus and everything will be great. It is not Jesus is just another God. It is not Jesus is just fire insurance for me someday. It is not make a decision and live however you want. You see, many people inside and outside the church falsely imagine that the main purpose and the message of Christianity is to get people to behave in such a way that they can get to heaven. That, however, I believe is a gross distortion of God's message to us in the Bible. The gospel's purpose pivots around the actual historical event that took place that Jesus, the Messiah, was crucified, was buried, physically resurrected, was seen by hundreds, and apart from this message, there is no Christianity. Jesus came to bring salvation as a gift for guilty sinners, not as a reward for the righteous because there are no people in this world who are righteous. Sadly, I believe the message of the gospel today is under attack. It's been watered down. It's been made more palatable as not to offend people. The truth of the matter is that without Christ, you are dead in your sins. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us you are dead. You're a corpse. There's no life in you whatsoever. And you have offended a holy and righteous God who will turn you into hell. So because we have sinned and broken his commandments, we've offended him. And the only message, the only hope there is for us, only mercy and grace that can ever be extended to us is through the gospel. Not only do you sin, but the Bible is very clear and it tells us that we love our sin and we love our darkness and we stand in open defilement and rebellion against the God who created us. Jesus said in John 3:36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for the God's wrath remains on them. You see, the great news of the gospel is that Jesus took our punishment. He took our penalty. He bore the wrath of God on the cross for us. As Paul said, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose from the grave three days later. The word of God teaches us that those who repent, those that turn away from their sin and believe the gospel, they will be saved. And it is this message that true Christ followers will stand for and be willing to be identified with. And so when the heat is gonna get turned up and we're gonna go from the frying pan to the fire, hey, we need to continue to stand for Christ. And it is through this proclamation of us being willing to be identified with Christ, I believe that the gospel is going to be proclaimed and preached to every nation. You see, all throughout history, followers of Jesus have been persecuted. 
And even today, there are believers that are being persecuted in other parts of the world. And I believe when that happens, the gospel continues to go forth and be proclaimed. If you just read the book of Acts, you see how uh, persecution was sent to the early church and the church just went aflame and it spread like wildfire. You see, as a believer in Christ, I encourage you to tell others about Christ now. <laughs> Don't wait around. Don't just be like, well, you know, the end of the world is gonna be coming. Tell them now. Preach Christ now. Pray for boldness, that you'll be a witness to those that you work with, your friends, your family, your community that you live in. Proclaim Christ now. You say, well, what do I say? Just simply start with how you came to know Christ. We heard several testimonies here this morning of how these women said how God turned them from darkness to light. That's proclaiming Christ. Only Christ can do this. And so share with them what Jesus has done in your life to change you from dead works to serve the living God. I encourage you to read through the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Become familiar of how Jesus died for you and what he did. Pray for boldness. Grab some of those uh, gospel outreach cards that we have uh, in, the, in the back there. Um, pass them out. But preach Christ now. One of the things that we're going to be doing here in just a few moments, we're going to be packing some of those shoe boxes back there. And you, you think about that, I don't know where those shoe boxes are going, but they're going to go all over the world. And some of these things that are going to be going out, they're going to children that may have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. You have a part in that. And so we, all of us have this thing that we need to be doing and it's proclaiming Christ to the lost world. We should not have to wait to the end of the world to preach the gospel. We should be doing that now and continue to do so. You know, in the end, God will use the persecution of his church and in the end to proclaim the gospel to the whole world. And without the gospel, there is no life-giving message and so people need to hear this good news because they are dead. Let me uh, share with you one last scripture here and hope to encourage you here. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes through the whole thing about the resurrection of Christ uh, through all of uh, chapter 15. And he tells us these in this last few words here in this, uh, in this chapter here. He says in verse, 50, or verse 51, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, this is future, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Those that know Christ, those that have, are, are still living during these last days, they will be changed. 
For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the encouragement. Therefore, because of everything I've told you about Christ's resurrection, Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Amen. And so I, I, I encourage you to continue to follow Christ, continue to preach Christ. If you're not proclaiming Christ now, Start proclaiming Christ. Start preaching the gospel. If God has given you some ministry to do, like for example, God placed in Sandra's heart to open her home. She started with one. Continue. Continue to move forward. Be unmovable, steadfast. Why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.